Hi, everyone. We're so excited to share our interview with Claire, the co-founder of Bent Arrow Acres, a small, sustainable farm in central Indiana. In this episode, we'll share what Claire has learned from owning a business with her husband and how her original career in marketing, where she helped big brands like Coca-Cola, has helped her run her farm. Welcome to Unstrictly Business, a podcast where we interview business owners about everything that helps them succeed, from business advice to self-care and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie, and each week we'll share a new episode with behind-the-scenes content that reveals what it's really like to run a successful business. So I'm Claire Trost, and I own Bent Arrow Acres, which is a small, sustainable farm in North Central Indiana. Um, I started it with my husband, and we raise pasture-raised chicken, beef, and pork. And then we also have pasture-raised egg-laying hens. Um, We have done vegetables in the past, but took some time off, you know, and I don't know if we'll get back into vegetables again, but when we did do vegetables, it was things like garlic, greens, tomatoes, beets, radishes, all sorts of good stuff. So, um, you know, I uh, got my start at Purdue University. And um, when I went to Purdue as a freshman, I never thought of farming as a career. I was uh, brought up in a pretty suburban background and thought food just came from the grocery store. And then when I went to Purdue, I majored in hospitality. Um, But Purdue is a state school in Indiana and has a great agriculture program. And so a lot of my peers were actually studying farming. And so I was learning that farming was like a viable career, not something that was just done a hundred years ago. And I also saw how closely hospitality related to agriculture, particularly when it came to food service. And so I interned in LA uh, in 2008 and uh, got to know a lot of different farmers and uh, things like that. And because in California in 2008, like farm to table was hot on the scene. And so it was a fun time to be a part of that. And then that year when I went back for senior year, happened to meet a boy from the agriculture fraternity at the campus bar and he's now my husband. And um, when I moved here, I uh, was working for a marketing agency out of Chicago and I was able to work remotely. And so it was fantastic. My client was Coca-Cola. And so I kind of thought I fell into like the dream job right there um, in my early 20s because, you know, I was working for the biggest, you know, brand, most iconic in the whole world and, you know, doing things with NCAA and March Madness and all sorts of fun programming, particularly as it related to like a 20 something. So it was kind of like a cool job. But then they cut the funding. And I was alone in my husband's rural agricultural cultural town without a job. So I started to garden and I blogged about it. And then as the blog grew and um, so did my garden, we started selling it to neighbors. And then uh, in 2016, we thought about um, what it would look like if we actually like made it a farm, the garden, a farm and like, you know, did the right things for the government and, you know, did the right things for sanitation and um, health boards and made sure that we were legit. And um, so that's when we started Bent Arrow Acres. Wow. There's so much I want to dive in into everything you <laughs> said. That's really cool. I think you're definitely right that a lot of people wouldn't think of farming as their first that's the most viable option for a career. But I mean, it's something really interesting to me. I always try to sh- 
shop with like smaller farms or go to the farmer's market. I lived in France for a few years and that is such like a common, like people always go to the farmer's market to get goods and there's really small farms. They don't have as many big industrial farms as we do in the US. And there's like even programs where people like join a group and they all get seasonal vegetables from their farm and it's so different. So I'm so interested to hear more. Yeah. 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 It's um, been a learning curve for me too, just cause I didn't grow up around it. And truly my husband, he um, works and lives in this small rural agricultural town that we now live in today, but he wasn't a f- from a farming family. Um, he owns a construction business with his dad. And um, so they do cater to um, agriculture um, and have many projects with farmers but they're more the commercial farmer who in Indiana is doing things like corn and soybeans. Um, whereas what Adam and I are now doing is sustainable. We're actually taking some of those row crop fields and turning them back to native pasture so that animals can work the land and do things like how it was done a hundred years ago. Cool. So uh, I love to start back at the beginning. So you were born in Chicago And you said you moved a lot around as a kid. So you did like third through fifth grade, all in different schools or more than that? Yeah. Um, So I was born in downtown Chicago and then lived a pretty Midwestern suburban existence. From there on out, I did move and I was the new kid in third grade, fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. So, um, so my dad had a career in marketing, working with like uh, limited brands and Procter and Gamble. And so we bounced around the Midwest a lot. I think my dad was sometimes restless in his career. um, And I think he would have loved to have had his own business at some time, but he recognized the responsibilities of having a family. And um, I think he was afraid to make that leap or uh, felt pressure from my mom or just us as kids uh, to not be able to. And uh, he had a fantastic career and it provided really well for our family. He just retired this year. So I see him never truly retiring. (laughs) I think he'll always be involved doing something and helping uh, businesses. And especially in COVID, he's very passionate about helping small restaurants uh, in his town. So I think there is, there was a bit of a genetic entrepreneur bug because I think my dad always just had ideas and um, would have loved to have made that leap, but just uh, didn't see the opportunity based on the lifestyle we had. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely a big risk. And especially when you have a family, I think that's something, I don't know, that I kind of made me be like, just do your, try to launch your business now, because this is going to be the easiest time in your life since you don't have anybody else to think about really besides yourself. Like I have talked to a few other business owners, like we talked to this girl who has her own juice shop and she's a single mom to two kids. And she's like, it's crazy, but being a mom has taught me so much about like running a business because you're like doing, had to be, have a lot of leadership and um, deal with problems. So I think it's helpful for her, but it's definitely something that you have to think about. Yeah, no, definitely. And the idea for our farm came before we had children and we actually launched the farm within like six weeks of having our first one. Uh, it was, you know, perfect timing and also the worst timing, <laughs> but it all worked out. So uh, I think if we had gotten further into life and had children, especially children who might be in like grade school, it would have been a t- more tough leap to do than, but we didn't leap right into 
self-employment either. Uh, to this day, we both still have day jobs as well. So I've taken a step back and gone part-time to help focus on the farm, but um, a lot of it is in the margins. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So will you tell me a little bit about what you do now during your day? Yeah. Um, so uh, I actually do the books for Adam's business with the construction business with his dad. Um, so I had a great job doing uh, food service for sororities and fraternities across the nation and uh, partnering chefs with the different chapters. And it was a really fun job. It had me traveling a lot. But then once I did have children and we had this farm and we were working farmer's markets on Saturday, uh, so it became a six-day work week and Friday nights weren't what they used to be. And as we prepped for the market, something had to give. And so that's when I went part-time. And I took a little time just to kind of put the pieces back together and really set up the farm uh, to be uh, kind of self-reliant uh, in terms of like marketing and social media and email lists and things like that. And I freelance wrote just to make a little money, but then stepped into the role doing the books uh, for Adam and his dad's business because his sister actually had to stay home with COVID with her children for school. And so she, it was her role previously. And so there was this need and this opportunity for me to then step in and help her. Yeah. And it works out great for our family. I mean, the construction business is right on our property. So it all just kind of bleeds together a lot and um, I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned in trying to find work-life balance is that it's not a balance uh, at all and I've had to create a life where these things can fit together and not feel like an interruption to one another even motherhood so is there anything you do for yourself when you're feeling like overwhelmed or stressed or something in your routine you have to do to like keep yourself sane with everything? I make moving a priority every uh, for 30 minutes every single day. You can see my bike here in the background. I have my Peloton app. Um, and I, so I use that. Um, I love to run. And so I've got a pretty good workout routine that um, is not for like, you know, going to run a half marathon or trying to look good or lose weight. It's just truly like a good chunk of time that's mine that I know I'm taking care of myself um, makes me feel good. So uh, working out, but then I also love to be creative. I do a lot of writing, um, still write on that personal blog that I had started uh, all those years ago. So that's a lot of fun for me. I got an iPad for Christmas and so I've been doodling and procreate and just playing around with that. <laughs> so I love anything artistic and I've been working hard to mold that into my life too, just because it makes me feel more like me, you know? <laughs> so. No, definitely. And even that's like something that we at Duval Department, we like offer workout classes and like wellness sessions where we do, I don't know, like a drawing class or something because it's so important. And it also scientifically proven that when you're active, like you're 30% more productive there's less absenteeism. So even it makes you feel good, but also helps you work better because if you're not 100%, neither your business, your business won't be either. So sure. And I think that creativity thing is really important. And um, what I have found is that just even like spending a little time with it at the end of the day, even if it's just 10 minutes, it gets me off my phone. It gets me away from Netflix and just like put on some music. And I got into like, um, 
embroidery a little bit in COVID. I'm not very good, but you know, there's something very nice about just having music and like just your hands and you're doing something and not screens and uh, other people. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's something that we all have to, especially during quarantine, getting used to not waking up and being on my phone. I just got an alarm to put in my room because I can't sleep with my phone anymore. I just waste too much time on it. It's, it's hard. Yeah, no, it is tough. And you get those notifications every Sunday telling you how much time you spent on your phone. And it's like, oh my gosh, like four hours, five hours. I could have been, think of all the things I could have read or like the people I could have been talking to. So that's definitely an eye opener. But in the same breath, you know, I think our phones, especially right now are such a godsend too, because without it, we would be completely like, you know, on our own. And um, it's such a great source of connectivity. And if this had to have happened, I'm so glad it didn't happen in like 2003, you know, or when we didn't have those things, you know, and I was in high school, I can't imagine, you know, we, we had a family phone. <laughs> so, so it's a blessing and a curse. And I think it just requires discipline, uh, just like everything else. Yeah, no, definitely. So going back to your parents, they both had MBAs, they worked in corporate America. Um, Was it hard for you to like, tell your family and your friends that you were starting this farm? Was everybody supportive? Or were they kind of like, is that the best idea? Taking a step back from that, just me moving into the country was enough of a conversation for people to say, you know, I don't know, this is a great idea. Um, You know, I had the hospitality degree and the business background. I was working for that agency out of Chicago and it was a great job. Uh, And then I said I was going to move to this little town that had a smaller population than the number of students in my high school. Like (laughs) it's teeny tiny. Uh, It doesn't even have a stoplight. And so I had a lot of people around me Uh, wondering if that was the right move. I'm very social, uh, love trying new restaurants. I love shopping. And those were things I loved a decade ago. And when this was a topic of conversation, so everybody was concerned. Um, I was told that I was cutting off my lifeline by moving to the country. And now, thanks to hindsight, uh, you know, you can say that it kind of brought me to life, actually, to come to a smaller town, uh, Mm -hmm. because I was able to start that garden and find different pieces of myself than just a girl who likes to shop and, you know, start a blog and gain confidence in new ways that maybe a boardroom in, you know, a high rise could have taught me, but, um, you know, it just came in a different form. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of naysayers just moving to the country. And then when we started the business, I think my mom in particular was very thankful that we still had day jobs. I think there's been a lot of concern over the years of how much we are working and how hard we're working all the time. In 2018, it really came to a head. We had two little babies two full-time jobs and the farm and doing the farmer's market. And so that's when we really peeled back and I went to part-time, stopped traveling, those kinds of things. So it's come with a few resets and feedback from other people. And some of it's been good and some of it's just been feedback and you can take it or leave it. Yeah. No, I think that's something that everybody deals with when you go out because your family, they love you. And the same things happen to me People being like, when are you going to be in the real world? And I'm like, this is the real world. <laughs> but it comes from a place of love. And just as you say, just 
learning to take things as they come and know that you're capable and trust in your idea so yeah that's nice and I feel like they have they now like really get to visit you in the country and see kind of why you love it Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's so, you know, in normal times, it's so easy to get to Indianapolis or Chicago um, and travel and see family. So it's not ever felt like stifling. And I mean, if I want something, I can have it in a day, thanks to Amazon, you know, like, it's all good. (laughs) We're not that isolated. And uh, so I think that was the concern in the beginning, but we have all the amenities of any other where else. um, just more space. <laughs> and so I think people have come around, uh, people enjoy visiting us too, which is great. And, and I love being that home for my friends from the city who just need a break uh, and want to get out and see some stars and a good sunset and uh, have some good food. And I love that I can go see them too when I want a fancy French fry and a glass of rosé. <laughs> so... Awesome. So how is it running a business with your husband? We talk a lot about business partners and how even having a best friend, maybe people don't like mixing business with pleasure. So I'm curious to hear how that goes for you and your husband, like splitting up tasks and what you're getting. So he comes back, he comes from the uh, family business background. And so he has been in business with his dad. I mean, he worked for his dad in high school um, and then went to college and then came back uh, after a couple years post-grad. And so he's familiar with working with loved ones. And um, I always was kind of a naysayer about it in the beginning because uh, I thought we would just need more to talk about. And, you know, I was like, I don't want to be with you all through the day talking about business and then just come home and like, what are we going to talk about? Just the business more. So I was a little concerned about being that close and intertwined. And it's actually, it's not been perfect every single day, obviously. And even his relationship with his dad, you know, there's been days where you just have to kind of come to terms that you're not going to like each other every moment of every day, but you do love them. And uh, I mean, that's marriage too. So, cause that can happen even when you're not working together in a business sense, but um, it's made us had, have real conversations and have to say things to each other um, that maybe another couple might not have to. Uh, we have to be a lot more upfront when we're disappointed in someone's performance or think they could have worked harder on this or tried more there. Uh, I think it's made us better communicators as a couple not just as business partners saying that even though we're having a hard conversation, we still love each other. It's not anything that changes that. That's really awesome. I think that being a business is a lot of work and I feel like it can definitely raise tensions at times, but knowing that you always do love each other. And I think that it's really awesome. And probably for your kids to grow up in the country and have the farm, that's probably so valuable to them too. Like it will definitely be something they remember and Sure. You know, um, Joanna Gaines, I get compared to her sometimes just because of the timeline and stuff like that. But she actually had a post about her oldest son uh, who just turned 16 and talked about how he was like her shop baby because she started with the little storefront. Mm -hmm. And it made me think, 
you know, what am I going to say when my son who's turning five in April turns 16? Because he was on my chest at the farmer's markets. And, you know, I was, we were running, chasing him at farmer's markets and running eggs all over the place during COVID, you know, and stuff like that, trying to help people get food because the whole food system kind of blew up there at the end of March. So it's just like interesting. What's the story we'll tell about our business as it relates to his life. And it'll be neat to see if they want to be a part of it too. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that, I don't know, when you're little, it's so good to have those times with your parents and to see you guys working well together, but also getting to be outside and being with the animals. I love Fixer Upper. So I always watch Joanna Games and the kids feeding the big cow and it's so cute it really like it would be great yeah you know farming gets romanticized a little bit um obviously and you know um the simple life is always it is simpler I suppose than living in the city you know having people all around and you know, I don't know, but it's still just life. We have good days, bad days, boring days. It's our home. And, you know, there are days that are really hard. Um, we've had days where we've lost, you know, multiple animals because it crossed over a hundred degrees. And those are hard days. Um, we've, uh, had, you know, predators kill animals and that's tough too. And we've had days where it's just like the freezer went out and we lost a thousand dollars worth of meat because it all just defrosted and, became gross. And so, um, it's not all easy, breezy, simple, (laughs) you know, there are very complicated things at work too. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, definitely something I visit, I visited a dairy farm one time when I was really little and I remember I love animals and being outside, but we were all inside the area and the cows were poop and it splattered over everybody on the tour. (laughs) My mom is like, she's not an animal person. And she was like, we could never, we could never have a farm. Like, this is so gross. And after that, I was like, yeah, this would be hard, but I don't know. I mean, obviously people love it and I think it's great, but yeah, it definitely is romanticized. The idea of the pretty Instagram picture with the white fence and the red barn. Is that, and I mean, it's gross that are gross. I mean, poop is just a part of it. And I joke, you know, like I go out in like my hunter boots. <laughs> and I'm like, do you think the guy at Nordstrom really thought that this is how I was going to be wearing them? <laughs> and so, so, you know, <laughs> you do what you can. Probably so using just, them better than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. So you started your blog before you decided to start the farm. So how did that kind of play into the did the idea just like blossom into more talking about your farm on the blog or did it stay the same sort of track? Sure. So I moved um, after we got married in 2011 and I was kind of lost because I lost the job and um, I'm in this small town. Um, and so I started cooking a lot and going to the farmer's market um, and Pinterest had just come out too. And people had been blogging for a few years but blogs were kind of for people who are like really into computers and that, or like a celebrity. Like I remember like the girls from the Hills had blogs and we like Pinterest was the first time that I saw that just like a normal girl could have a blog. Mm -hmm. And so that was interesting to me. And I kept thinking, well, okay, what would mine be about? And so food seemed like the obvious thing because of my background 
but then I also was like, well, could it be about career stuff because of all the things that I'm experiencing with career loss? But then uh, because of the farmer's market and where I was and I started growing my own food, I thought, well, this is kind of fun and it's something I'm excited about. And so I brought in the angle of it's a food blog, but it has to be food that I grew that I'm writing about. So I'm telling the story of me being in this small town, learning what it's like to grow food and have backyard chickens. Like we started with just 12 and it, you know, it was just a cute little flock to have a fresh egg, something I didn't even think I'd ever really had in my whole life, like a true egg I'd had just, you know, what you got at the grocery store. So that was my curiosity. And then it ended up with me having over 300 egg laying chickens, <laughs> you know, this past year. So uh, if be careful what you're curious about. But <laughs> so it was just, uh, just a fun place to write. But as we got more and more chickens and grew more and more food, we started selling it to neighbors. And like I said, it became kind of an interest to have a business, but also a necessity to protect ourselves. And um, we wanted to be certified with Board of Health. And um, there's also an egg board that certifies you to make sure that you're doing things right with eggs. But then also like with the government, because we were taking in a decent amount of money. And so um, we formed an LLC in order to protect our um, individual family and also the family business that Adam owns, gave it a name. And in 2016, we launched it and joined farmers markets uh, and just made it official. So it's neat that it had legs. The blog had legs. And, you know, I never became a big blogger and I'm still not by any stretch of the imagination. But just because you don't make it as like an influencer and I'm using air quotes, there's still great avenues for your business to have a product or a service and be supported by where you start as a blog or um, Instagram wasn't a thing like it is then. So even just starting on Instagram to see, even if you can't see what it could be, keep going and you might find the business as you just dive into your curiosity and passion. Definitely. Do you think like your experience in marketing with a big brand like Coca-Cola played into this little brand? Or do you think that marketing is completely different when you have a small business? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I remember telling Coke that we needed to do something more on social media. I like uh, telling my leaders and it was like 2009, 2010 and Instagram wasn't even around. Um, but Facebook and Twitter were pretty uh, popular and I was kind of dismissed a little bit, but I saw the, the internet as being this place for marketing. I just didn't have the knowledge because I graduated high school in 2005 and then college in 2009. So it was a weird time where social media was really just for college students. Like I helped my dad get on Facebook after I graduated. Um, so it was just different, more intimate time where you didn't have the education that of what social media is and how it contributes to anything. I'm sure any uh, marketing class now is a hundred percent different than the marketing classes that I took in college because of what social media has done to the whole industry. Um, so what we were doing with Coke was a little analog in comparison to what we see today, but in the same breath, I was doing a lot of experiential marketing, you know, with a March Madness, we would set up like basketball hoops in the student union of a college. And so I learned how to set a space and make it 
inviting and something that people wanted to come to. And so I think that really helped us at farmer's markets be able to set up a booth that just drew people in. And so there was a lot at play there, but then also because I was missing that true education and even like corporate experience with social media, I taught myself a lot. I mean, I, the back end of WordPress and um, how to build websites. I was just copying code and hoping it would work. And then also when it came to social media, it was, you know, I understood the importance of an email list and I would read what I could and try to figure that out. And um, you just find the answers a a lot of places. And there's so many good resources now. You don't need that formal marketing education to be able to figure out how to set up an email list or, you know, make a Instagram reel. I know that's like the hot thing right now. Uh, So yeah, there's so many things you can teach yourself just by watching other people and watching those big brands too. Because I think they are also watching small brands to see what is clicking with consumers as well. So there's, you know, this old school marketing approach of like creating experiences to build that brand loyalty and draw people in, in like, we did a lot of competitions and giveaways and stuff with Coke too on college campuses. Um, That still is super relevant. And I think um, will never go away, but it's going to change all the time. And so I think you have to be open to learning. Um, how to keep up with the trends, particularly in the digital space. Yeah, definitely. That's so interesting. I think the fact that you have that background um, before social media came around is really cool because those things still work. I think you can create an experience too on social media or have a really strong brand. So somebody like feels how your brand is like just by going on your website. So it's really interesting that you still have that background because I think it helps you maybe stand out a little bit from the competition who only know like digital marketing. Sure. So. And I, the things you learn too, like I, I remember being at a conference for Coke and they were talking about, and I was young, like, like 21. And they were talking about how mom, they target moms often. They're the ones who are grocery shopping. And so it was just this, like, who is the true mm-hmm. ideal customer? Who's the one who's actually doing the shopping? So I've consulted with friends who have started like men who have started furniture businesses because they love woodworking. And it's a very manly, like, like I work with power tools brand and I'm like, a woman is buying furniture for their home. You need to look at what, how a woman would respond to that brand. I understand that's you in your brand and that's beautiful, but it doesn't speak to her. And so, um, so when you think about marketing, um, and inviting people in thinking about that person too. And that's the kind of thing that's been around for forever and ever. And you use digitally and in person and in paper and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Is there anything that you think has helped you in marketing more than other things? Like you think your social media or other types of marketing, do you have anything that you can understanding how to, invite the right person in on social, on your website is important. Um, Cause so many times when people share your product or and tag you, uh, the next click is straight to your profile. And so to have it be the place that speaks directly to that consumer is important. Um, and then it's the extension to your website too. So if somebody were to have shared something tagged on Facebook, 
that links to my Facebook page, the next step is a lot of people are going to go to your website. And so having a nice Facebook page is important, but or Instagram page, but then also having a great website is um, important too. And we've had many people come up to us in the actual farmers markets where we're face to face who said, you know, I saw the list of all the people coming to the market today, was clicking on everything, came to your website and had knew I had to come check you out just because of the care that had gone into that space on the internet. And do you guys cater more to a local audience? Do you think on social media you're just or do you target local hashtags or do you partner with local brands? Is there anything you do to get closer to those locals? Obviously, uh, like the local audience is who's going to buy from us. We haven't figured out shipping meat across the country. And I don't know if I want to, because I think the whole point is to have your local uh, food system supported and supporting your local community. I want to make sure the people in my community are eating well. um, And uh, as it grows, I want to make sure we have jobs for people in the local community. Like I like the idea of that local environment. Um, so yes, I'm utilizing like local locations, local hashtags, especially if there's a festival or a market has its own hashtag, but then also partnering with other small businesses. I mean, the farmer's market is an easy in to a community of people. And so that's been great for us. And, uh, it's given uh, us legs to be able to do things like having me do education on how to like cut up a whole chicken and be able to have the different pieces because it's more cost effective when you buy a whole chicken versus just boneless skinless chicken breast. And so teaching people to be a little more financially savvy, but also then uh, sustainable because they're using the whole animal. So I've been able to set up at booths uh, just as somebody who's offering education at other farmers markets locally too, because I'm willing to not always sell, um, when I'm reaching out to people and uh, connecting, but educate and serve. And so I think that's made, opened a lot of doors locally to just get our name out as somebody who wants to help. But then once you're in, you're always like, well, how do I get this? So, um, so it's opened a lot of doors just by being willing to do things for free and serve and educate our local community too. Awesome. I think that's really good advice for people because I think it's easy to be like, my product is so awesome. Use it, use it, use it. And it's harder to be like, wait, let me take a step back and let me put myself in the other person's shoes. They don't know my myself. They don't know my company. It, sometimes I think we get caught up in like, we're awesome. This is great. You need this. Yeah. But forget about the consumer. It needs to be about them and not us when we're selling. I know Donald Miller has like the building a story brand book where he makes the um, equation of the business person is like Yoda and the consumer is like Luke Skywalker. So Yoda's the guide, not the hero of the story. And so we're helping the consumer get a great meal on their table by educating them and providing this great piece of meat. So so that's how I see my role. Um, it's to provide a product, but more importantly, to make sure that that end goal of the consumer is achieved. So if I just gave them frozen chicken breasts, they may not know what to do with it. So I need to make sure that they know how to use it and use it well, and then they'll come back for more. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And then, so do you have anything that you think hasn't really worked that well for your business, things they've tried that 
maybe was just a learning experience? Sure. Um, I think we dove in really head first and like, we're like, we're doing vegetables, we're doing it all. And just like not understanding our limits because we were excited. And, you know, I think it's okay to take a step back and like, look and see what's working and what's not. Uh, And for us to be out there cutting vegetables and planting vegetables all the time was really challenging with day jobs and children and then just keeping up with the animals too. So in this season of having very little children, it makes a lot of sense for us just to have the animals. There may be a day where we can garden on a large scale again, but uh, it came to the point where I felt like we didn't even have a garden for ourselves because we were just working so hard on the products that we were selling. And I missed the reason why I got into this in the first place and I wasn't doing it anymore. And it just felt like, well, what's the point if I'm not having that element of fun that brought me here anyways. So, uh, and the piece that brought me joy, like it's now all a chore. And so that's when we took the um, uh, step back and it didn't hurt our business at all. You know, we've done better than ever. So by just having me. That's so awesome. And you think that in the future, you're gonna, do you like the place where you are now? Do you want to eventually be able to work full-time on the farm or where, What's in the future for you guys? Yeah, um, you know, I think for right now, I like where we're at. It's a good pace and it's a good workload for us. And we have the audience that's active and wants what we're offering. It, but obviously we'd love to grow. What's been, it, there's like weird hurdles just because of COVID. Processing dates, and this is like unsexy, not related to any other business, but like farming in Indiana, we can't find a processor because of how the food system has kind of exploded in the last uh, year or so. So there are limitations outside of us and outside of just the matter of having the time and the money and the space. There's a whole system at work that just can't support our growth right now. And so it's a bummer uh, because we would do more and we probably could, and it wouldn't make a huge impact on our well-being and happiness. But some things are just sometimes out of our hands. So we're riding the wave just like everybody else. (laughs) So all we can do, that's good though. I mean, I think a lot of people can sometimes be in a rush to become like huge, but there's some businesses that are super successful and do exactly what the business owner wanted to do, but they're not like, no, it's not a household name, but it still does amazingly. So that's what I'm really interested in talking to you guys. Like, smaller business owners who are still successful, but are learning as they go. And um, I'd love to hear some more. So you talked about the storytelling book. I've never read, I've heard of the author, but I can't even remember what name you said, but (laughs) I would love to hear more about what other ways that you've educated yourself or books that you love. Yeah. So the author is Donald Miller and the book is built on the story brand. And he has a huge brand, obviously, he's an expert, um, and it's a neat equation that he has you work through in some software that comes with the book. So it, for me, my equation is, you know, I, I want to connect families to food, farming, and each other. That's my like goal, because I see that as the goal for my consumer. They want to have great meals with their family. They want to feel good about what they're feeding their family but they also don't have a clue about farming. And so I want to be that window into this world so they have a better understanding of where food comes from. And so I'm the connector to that. 
through having a great product. And so I can help them get there with pork chops. And so that's kind of how that equation works. So that's how Donald Miller's kind of equation uh, works where you're like looking at what is the end goal of the consumer and how can I help them get there? And that's how the story you tell. Other things that I've loved, I'm trying to think of other great books. One of the best books I read was back when I had lost my job in 2011. And, you know, I was lost here in this little town and I got a library card and it was a new release. And so it was just up there in front of the library and it said the entrepreneurship equation. And I hadn't even thought about being an entrepreneur. You know, I was trying really hard to find another job and uh, just picked it up because I had had friends say that maybe that's what I should do. And um, it was one of the biggest takeaways I took away from reading that book was just because you love something doesn't mean that it should be your business. And the book used uh, the example of being a hairdresser. And just because you love cutting hair doesn't mean you should open a salon. Because when you open a salon, now you're an accountant, you're managing people in HR, and you're cleaning a lot, (laughs) just like all these other things, and you're not cutting hair anymore. And um, so I thought that was very important. And that's perhaps why I have a farming business because, and why it like is so random. It's because I was always meant to have a business and manage it. And yes, I do a lot of the farming, but my husband truly does a lot of the like actually out there with the animals. I am great at building connections with restaurants, with consumers, um, and, you know, educating on social media, creating videos and email lists. And I'm better at building that business, whereas he is great at the operation of actually farming. Actually, if you're like, I love to create on procreate, you know, like something that I'm enjoying and making these doodles. And, you know, I see all these people making stickers and prints and it's like my entrepreneur mind goes, Oh, I could do that too. And then it's like, but then what did I not like it anymore? Would it not be fun? Like that's my escape. Why would I want to monetize that? So I think it's a good thing to ask yourself, like, would you care if you had this great business making stickers and art, but then you didn't get to do it anymore because you were managing a business. So. No, I mean, I think that's important to think about starting any business and is applicable to all business owners who get into things that maybe they did not expect when they had to do a business, like dealing with taxes and maybe you don't love marketing or we, one of our members, she is an interior designer, but she hates social media. She is so lost on it. And she's like, everybody's telling me that I have to market on social media. She's like, I took a Pinterest course, but I'm still so lost. And it's hard because I mean, there's other ways to market. And so I think it's taking what you like and trying to turn it into a business that works with your lifestyle. But I mean, I think that's important for any business owner to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, you, just because you love something, it doesn't have to be a business. So if you love shopping, you don't have to become a personal shopper. It can just be the thing that you do and you can have a great nine to five that provides health insurance and, you know, like a whole lot less um, after hours stress and still have a really joyful life. So um, I, you know, I talked about how farming is romanticized. Sometimes entrepreneurship is too. It's fantastic, but so is a normal job that you retire at 65 with, you know, a great 401k. (laughs) 
there's definitely the pros and cons to both. And I think it's easy. It always looks green on the other side when you look at, if you're working a corporate job and say, oh, the entrepreneur, he's his own boss. She gets to be home with like on the weekends and do what she wants and go to a farmer's market. But I think it's so true because I definitely look at my friends with, that's part of the reason why I created Dual Department because I was looking at my friends who had social events and work perks and mentorship opportunities. And I was kind of like, this kind of sucks. They're getting a lot yeah, of things. And I don't. <laughs> so, yeah. Like I have to pay someone to go on vacation to help take care of what I've got going on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's fun and it's awesome, but it's definitely, it's, it's a special journey. And then other education stuff, you just get on YouTube, you know, you have to filter a little bit there. Not everybody is great. Who's putting content out there, but it, as you start to learn the tricks and stuff, you'll pick something up in every course that's valuable. The whole course may not be valuable. So yeah, you'll just have to sift through a lot, but, and find what works for you and what excites you even, you know, talking about maybe Pinterest just isn't it, but maybe reels are really fun for somebody to create so yeah there's a lot of different ways to go about it but library and the internet two really good places and other people truly you know especially uh it's very interesting my husband I said he's doing a lot more of the operations of the true like farming and one of the best people he's talked to is just older farmers who have had animals for forever and ever his grandfather has been a huge mentor to him uh, because he grew up and they had cow like a much more diverse farm than the farms that are commercialized today. You know, uh, so he remembers what it was like to have pigs, chickens, and cows all working together on a farm. Whereas mm-hmm. through the '70s and '80s, a lot of these farms just became chickens, or just became pigs, or just became corn. You know, so uh, because that's what our food system demanded. But older people know. Uh, what it was like years ago and they've been great resources to us yeah definitely that was actually I was gonna ask you if you've had any mentors that you go to but that is good to know I mean that is that's really nice that your husband has those people to go to and I think it's always a good resource to talk to people that are a little bit farther along in their journey and have been through it all because sometimes you there's no better way to know besides talking to somebody who's actually done it awesome well I think that is you answered all the questions I wrote down and we're almost at the end of our time so um thank you so much that was so great I feel like I've learned so many little nuggets from you and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me yeah of course thank you Callie and keep up the good work this is fun I'm glad you're offering all this Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Unstrictly Business. Want to learn more about how you can create a successful business of your own? Visit our website, dowelldepartment.com. Dowell, D-E-P-T, dot com. See you next week.